Hello, you're listening to Christian Life Issues for today. We've begun a series called Your Family, God's Way. This is the second in that series. In the first series on this, uh, in this first uh, podcast on this series, we dealt with the subject of the maximum husband and father in God's kind of family. And today we come to the role of the wife and mother in God's kind of family. This particular podcast is entitled Something Happened to Sally, a Fulfilled and Fulfilling Wife and Mother. As far back as Sally could remember, she had looked forward to being a wife and mother. Her greatest desire in life was to get married and have children. When she was four years old, her mother and father divorced. Sally never saw her biological father again. Her mother soon was remarried, but her relationship with her mother and stepfather was a distant one. A sad and lonely girl, Sally was ill at ease around other people. Feeling inferior, unwanted, and unappreciated, she longed for the day when she could get married and have a family life of her own. Then she would belong, was the thought that she had. Then she would love and be loved. Well, Sally did marry at the age of 17. Soon after that, she had her first child. Within a few years, she had two more. She and her husband had both become Christians and were involved in a good church. Her husband was faithful, loving, and kind. His business was a challenge, but it was doing well. Now Sally had the husband and family she had always desired, yet she was not happy. Although she had what she had thought would bring her fulfillment, she still saw herself as a failure. She felt pressured, guilty, fearful, inadequate, and overwhelmed. She was adrift as a wife, mother, and person. To deal with her distress, Sally launched into new areas of activity. A hard worker with many abilities, she secured a position of responsibility and became a career woman. She also became more active in the church and another Christian organization. People looked to her as a woman who could get things done, yet Sally was still discontented. Depression increasingly dominated her life. Sally didn't want to continue as she was. She needed to change. And so she came asking for help to become a more fulfilled and fulfilling woman. Perhaps you can identify with Sally. You may not view yourself negatively as she did, but you sense that something is missing. And you want help on how to be a fulfilled and fulfilling person, a fulfilled and fulfilling wife and mother. Deep down, you long for direction and affirmation about God's purpose for you. 
and a clearer perspective on your role in building your family God's way. Sally wanted that, and she got it. She has been several years since her she first sought assistance. Since then, she's been in the process of overcoming and becoming a different person. Today, she is not early, nearly as driven, fearful, or unstable as she once was. Though at times, she was still tempted in these areas of being unwanted and unfulfilling. She was not nearly as driven, and she was becoming a different person. She was not fearful. Today she's not nearly as driven, fearful, or unstable as she once was. Though at times she is still tempted in the areas of unfulfillment that she was previously tempted in, she has seen significant victory over some of her earlier problems. Frequently, Sally wrote me a note, and she said in that note, I'm glad to be able to tell you that my old friends, the distress and depression she'd experienced, are no longer visiting me as they used to. I'm much happier, secure, and fulfilled. What was it that made the difference? Well, Sally is finding fulfillment and security in her deeper understanding of God's purpose for her as a person, wife, and mother. She is increasingly viewing herself from God's perspective, trying to structure her life according to God's directives. She realizes that she no longer has to be a superwoman, trying to attain some illusory goal. Now she has a clearer picture of what God wants her to be and do and how that can be accomplished. And in that, she is finding some fulfillment. Obviously, I can't share everything Sally learned in counseling. However, I'm going to share some of the basic truths that she implemented, which helped her to get a new a new lease on life. In the previous chapter, when considering the husband and father in the home, we saw from Psalm 128 that God has something to say about the husband and father in his role within the family. Well, now I want to focus your attention on what God has to say in this psalm, Psalm 128, about the wife and mother. Real personal fulfillment is a byproduct of a God-centered life in which a woman becomes and does what's pleasing to God. God could have used hundreds of similes to describe the woman in the family. But he chose to describe her as a vine. That's found in Psalm 128 and verse 3. To us in the 20th century, this may not seem like a very significant description. But to people living in Bible times, it was a different matter. 
A vine had tremendous significance, symbolized luxuriousness, value, and prosperity, something highly desirable and worthwhile. When God wanted to describe the, the good land into which he was going to bring his people, he said it would be a land with vines, as found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. When the king of Assyria tried to entice the people of Israel to submit to his reign, he promised that one of the things would be that every person would have his own vine. That's found in Isaiah chapter 36 and verse 16. God dignified the vine concept by calling the nation of Israel whom he brought into a unique relationship with himself, his vine, as found in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. And it's also found in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 1. A unique relationship with himself was what these people had. He called it his vine. Jesus paid the ultimate compliment to the vine by calling himself the vine and by calling God the Father a vine dresser. That's John chapter 15, verses 1 and 5. From the context of John chapter 15, it's evident that Jesus used the vine to describe himself because the vine symbolized life, refreshment, and ministry. Jesus is all of these things par excellence. Without him, we can do nothing, is what John 15 and verse 5 says. We are absolutely dependent upon him as our source of life. He is our vine. Could our Lord have paid the wife and mother a higher compliment and by calling her a vine? Could he have impressed us with her important home responsibilities any better way? Women, God underscores your strategic ministry by comparing you to a vine. Well, Sally needed to understand and really believe this biblical truth. From her childhood, she had thought of herself as unwanted, unworthy, and unacceptable to God, her family, or anyone else. She came for counseling, still judging herself by her unbiblical standards of what makes a person worthwhile. Sally needed to accept the fact that God had made her a vine and given her a strategic ministry to her husband and children. Yes, she had sinned. Yes, she had failed. Yes, she was not a perfect wife or mother. Yes, there was room for improvement. But as a redeemed sinner who was in union with Christ, sharing his life, she had been born again. She had acknowledged her sinfulness. She had come to Christ to be saved, to be forgiven, and to become a child of God. As a redeemed sinner, who was in union with Christ, she shared his life 
and it was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible. Her life had significance and potential. God called her a vine, and Sally needed to grasp the implications of that word for her life. God's word was saying that in some ways she was to her family what Christ is to his people. Certainly not in the absolute and fullest sense was she a vine to her family as Christ is to his people. Certainly not in the absolute and fullest sense. Yet her ministry was to be a reflection of Christ's ministry. That made her important. And so it is with every wife and mother. In Psalm 128, God not only calls a wife and mother to be a vine, he calls her to be a fruitful vine. That's Psalm 128, verse 3. Some vines never benefit anyone or anything. They may look good, but they never bear fruit. They just take up space and require a lot of attention. They even divert nutrients away from other plants and may pass diseases onto other plants. Women, God has put you in the world and in your family to be productive, to make an important contribution, to be a fruitful vine. At the time of creation, God said to the man and woman, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That's Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Note carefully that God gave this command to the man and the woman. Woman was to be the man's partner in being fruitful in ruling the earth. Later, God said of the woman that she was a suitable helper for man. That's Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. We know that the word translated helper does not suggest the idea of inferiority because it is joined to the word often translated meat. M-E-E-T, help me, which could be translated corresponding to, suitable mate, appropriate. The woman is to be a helper who corresponds to the man. She fits. She is capable. She stands with man and helps him accomplish what he could never accomplish on his own. She adds dimension that are very important. Together, they make an able team to accomplish through God's strength what he has purpose for them. It's interesting to note that this word used of the woman is used of God in the scriptures. It's found in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 29 in reverence to God. Psalm 25 and verse 9, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, it's used of God as well. 
because of who and what God is, He is the very helper we need. We can't get along without Him. And because of who and what the woman is by divine creation, she is the very helper man needs to fulfill his God-given responsibilities in the world and in the home. If all this is so, what kind of fruit does God want the woman to bear? God fills in the details in numerous Bible passages. Certainly the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, is part of this fruitfulness. God wants the woman's life to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit, as defined in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. By this, Jesus said, is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, John 15 and verse 8. He was speaking primarily of the fruit of the Spirit. As you bear fruit, spiritual fruit, others see the power and glory of God manifested in your life. God's kind of family, a wife and mother, must be more concerned about being than doing, more concerned about what she is than how she performs. Christian conduct is devoted and rooted in Christian character. Therefore, your impact for God and your helpfulness to other people depends on the work of the Spirit in your own life. Peter emphasized the same thought when he says to wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word of God, they may, from your submissive and helpful behavior, be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God behaved and made themselves beautiful. That's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Peter's pointing out the most effective way to be fruitful in your family is by way of your life. All of your attempts to help your husband will be in vain unless your life demonstrates Christian character, the reality of Christ in you. Perhaps the passage that gives us more insight into what it means to be a fruitful vine kind of wife and mother is Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. Here in Proverbs 31 is an example for all women who desire God's kind of family to live. 
Her husband and children respect her greatly and rise up in public to praise her. That's Proverbs 31, verse 28. Her life impacts theirs in a way that they appreciate, and her influence reaches far beyond her home into society. She is recognized, respected, and appreciated in all her surroundings. The world is a better place because of her. That's found in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 16, and verse 20, and verse 31, and verse 24 also. Certain details of this portrait cannot be applied directly to women in developed countries today for at least two reasons. First, some of the details no longer describe today's world. In verse 16, for example, buying and planting a field was more characteristic of life in an agrarian society. Likewise, the distaff and the spindle were common in homes of that day, as they're described in verse 19. Second, this woman evidently possessed some resources not available to everyone then or now. She had servant girls, according to verse 15. She had money with which to buy a field and rich clothing, as is described in verses 16, 21, and 22 of Proverbs 31. But the general principles found in this account are universally applicable. The character and conduct of this woman stand as a marvelous example of the wife and mother in God's kind of family. She's in some ways an example of what every Christian should be. Now let's be more specific and look at what it means to be a fruitful vine wife and mother. According to Proverbs 31 and verse 30, the fruitful vine is a wife, a woman who fears the Lord. She is a God-centered person, like the husband of Psalm 128. She has a big concept of God, an accurate, growing, all-pervasive awareness of the true and living God. To her, God is a powerful reality. Whatever good there is in her flows out of her big concept of God. God is her everything, her motivating force, her strength, her hope, her counselor. The secret of her fruitfulness is not her dynamic personality. It's not her strong willpower or her physical beauty or her pleasant situation or her unusual resources or her good training or her natural gifts or her exceptional husband or children. Her admirable life stems from her vital and deep relationship with God. Maybe you've read the Proverbs 31 passage and declared it to be unrealistic, impossible. If so, you assume that you are dependent upon yourself to develop this kind of life. Looking to your past, your present, your resources, your situation, 
you said, no way can I ever become that kind of fruitful woman. That's because you fail to realize that your sufficiency, as was true of her, is of God. And that becoming this kind of person is the product of a close personal relationship with God. Apart from that, you'll be overwhelmed by what you read in Proverbs chapter 31. That's what had happened to Sally. She had a high view of her responsibilities, an oppressive sense of duty. She was driven toward perfection without even knowing what perfection was. All she knew was that she should, and yet could, never attain her mythical standards. Her pattern had been living hard to measure up, then judging herself to have failed, then collapsing in frustration and weariness. She would then rebound, roll up her sleeves, and go through the whole process again and again. Repeating this scenario over a number of years had led to discouragement, disillusionment, despair, and depression. Sally professed to be a Christian, but her relationship with God was not very dynamic. In fact, she was works-oriented in her attitude toward God. Two of the biggest words in her vocabulary were do and go. She was burdened by the fact that she was failing God as well as her family. Having been involved in a Bible-believing church, she knew something of Bible teaching. Intellectually, she knew the truth that God justifies or declares us to be righteous and credits to our account the very merits of Jesus Christ. By grace are those things given to that woman. It was unmerited favor that would be her salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. She knew that. But on a practical level, it meant very little in terms of how she thought and lived. Sally feared God, but mostly in the negative sense of seeing him as a hard taskmaster who demanded impossible things of her and stood ready to pounce when she failed. She knew conceptually that for Christians, God is gracious, glorious, and compassionate in being a heavenly father. But in the nitty-gritty of life, her focus was on her duty. As a result of her relationship with God, her relationship was very impersonal. And as a She knew very little of that big, wholesome concept of God that enriches and empowers. She knew little joy in her relationship with God. She tried to produce the fruit of the Christian life without cultivating its root. You can't bear the fruit without cultivating the root. She was starting where she should have finished focusing on her efforts rather than on Christ. When Sally gained new insights into the Christian life and her relationship with God, she began to experience a new kind of liberty. 
as she has made knowing God her number one priority. She has discovered a new sense of meaning, acceptance, power, and security, and she is much more fulfilled. A careful reading of Proverbs 31 presses us to one conclusion. A God-fearing wife and mother is a family-oriented person. Psalm 128 says she is a fruitful vine within her house. Proverbs 31 emphasizes that this woman takes excellent care of her family. Though clearly she is not restricted to the home, as we see in verse 13, verse 14, verse 16, and verse 20. Yet she is utterly devoted to her family as her number one ministry. Her family is not neglected while she does other important things. Her husband has full confidence in her. Or as the New American Standard Bible puts it, the heart of her husband trusts in her. He knows she is committed to him, and he trusts her without reservation. This means that he depends upon her for support without reservation. This means he depends upon her for help, knowing that he will not look to his wife in vain. The Hebrew verb found in this phrase literally means to lean upon. He leans upon her. It implies that this woman is dependable. When her husband needs a listening ear, when he's weary and discouraged, he knows she will be a refuge for him. When he shares his fears, his dreams, his joys, his problems, he is confident, absolutely confident, that she will not ridicule or reject him for having those fears or dreams or joys. He can count on her to be lovingly honest with him. Her husband knows that he can depend upon her prayer support as he faces the challenges and responsibilities of life. She is his fountain to whom he may look for refreshment. She enriches and excites his life. She does not delight in hurting him, but is always ready to lend assistance, as we see it in Proverbs 31, verse 11, 12, 23, and 28. Look at those verses carefully for yourself. She is without a question a husband-oriented person. Her husband publicly praises her, and that attests to his approval of how she relates to him. He values her more than all the women in the world, as you find in verses 28 and 29 of Proverbs 31. She has not neglected him or the family while pursuing her own interests. She is sensitive, available, and trustworthy. She has been a fruitful vine. The passage also says a lot about this woman's relationship with her children, not only her husband, but her children. 
we read that her children rise up and bless her. Along with her husband, they say, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. That's in verse 29 of Proverbs 31. It would not be saying that if she were grumpy, petulant, moody, bitter, or manipulative. They're impressed by her godliness, manifested in noble character and conduct. And they appreciate the way she has devoted herself to her family. Well, Sally needed to get this perspective on her family. She loved and cared for them deeply, but she had been subtly infected with an unbiblical value system that said that to be worthwhile, she had to be a superwoman. That meant she had to have a superior education, a great career, and she had to become a leader of, at least being active in, many organizations and activities. Initially in her marriage, Sally had tried to find satisfaction and significance by being a devoted wife and mother. To her dismay, this didn't bring the undesired results. And so in her disappointment, she began to add many new activities to her schedule, and eventually she took leadership responsibilities in many different organizations. Sadly, though, what was supposed to bring relief added to her distress. She became bulimic, depressed, anxious, and frustrated. Eventually, Sally became aware that she'd been trying to find refreshment in broken cisterns that couldn't satisfy. She had been looking to people and things for meaning rather than to God. She had allowed her own opinions and ideas of others to dominate her thinking. Well, as Sally's attitude toward God changed, her attitude toward her family was altered as well. She decided to allow God to determine what really was important. She saw from Scripture that God considers the family to be tremendously important. She chose to believe God's viewpoint on the place the family should have in her life. Although Sally remained involved in some of her activities outside the home, she approached them with a different attitude and purpose. She was becoming a family-oriented person, serving rather than being served, and ministering out of the fullness of her relationship with God rather than doing that to be fulfilled. Christian wives and mothers are meant to be fruitful vines within their houses. That's what Psalm 128 and verse 3 says. If you're a married woman, your family is to be your most outstanding ministry in life. The contribution you can make there to the kingdom of God is very important. And also, it's important to be a fruitful vine in your house to the society in which you live. That cannot be overestimated. 
Do not pay attention to anyone who denigrates the importance of the family, the importance of your God. That says otherwise. Believe him. He says that's very important. Like the woman described in Proverbs 31, you may legitimately be involved in many things outside the home. Hopefully you will use your God-given gifts to serve Christ and his people in your church and community. Perhaps you will give assistance to your church and community. Perhaps you will give assistance to other Christian organizations. You may be legitimately employed to some occupation outside the home, but I encourage you to do whatever you do to the glory of God and for the sake of your family. Don't allow anything to interfere with these most important relationships, your church and your family.